Like for me, that matters the most because part of my responsibility as a storyteller is to highlight people's voices and not everyone's voice is heard. Welcome to Let's Play by the Gamers, a podcast hosted by actress Kylie Vernoff. Fans know Kylie best as the fiery Susan Grimshaw in Red Dead Redemption 2 and Miranda Cowan in GTA 5. Our series features some of the most informed and exciting people in the gaming industry today. Kylie and her guests discuss careers, gaming, and so much more. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out thegamers.com website to hear exclusive bonus material from each of our guests. Hey, everybody. All right, my guest today is Aaron Ashley Simon, a multimedia personality in gaming and esports who currently hosts The Download on Venn. Aaron has forged an incredible career in gaming, in journalism and broadcast, all before the age of 30. And she has never stopped advocating for greater representation for women and people of color in the gaming space. Erin and I talk about the power of community in gaming, her roots in traditional journalism, and the importance of knowing your worth. Our conversation was beyond inspiring, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So here we go. Hello. Hi. Hey, there you are. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Erin, thank you so much uh, for making time for this. I know that you are like the busiest woman in gaming right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's been a busy time in general overall. (laughs) Yeah, but it's fabulous. I feel like you are really like hitting a stride and it's so much fun to watch. So I'm really excited to talk to you today because I know that our our listeners are going to get a lot out of what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit about just my overall experience and everything. So I know that you have described yourself as a lifetime gamer. So where did you grow up and, and who introduced you to gaming? So I'm, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area and, uh, you know, my, my parents, they themselves enjoyed playing video games. I remember we actually had the, um, arcade version of Galaga and I believe Pac-Man too. And so they've always been very, very supportive in terms of that. But the person who really got me into, well, it was a combo of my, my parents as well as my older brother, um, obviously, like my parents bought the actual uh, video game console. So the first one that we played uh, was the Sega Genesis and also uh, Super Nintendo. And I remember me specifically the moment when my brother played Sonic. And, you know, as you know, Sonic is a very visual audio, like just everything is just if you're a kid, you know, you don't know what you're watching. Like you're going to get hooked just watching Sonic because you see a little thing jumping and there's loud noises. It's, it's very colorful. And I'm like, yeah, oh it's my. hitting all your senses at yes, once. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, wow. And and so, you know, I was always the the little sister who always wanted to do what my brother did. And so he would play video games and I ended up playing it. But then over time, it became something that like I was passionate about and I enjoyed doing uh, to the point where it was like, okay, we can't share consoles anymore. Like there's, we're going to have to have our <laughs> own. So our, our, my parents eventually bought us like both individual consoles because they're just like, they, they're just going to keep playing. And if we don't get them to two consoles. They're going to argue. And um, so that's how it all started. So were you guys super competitive with each other, you and your brother? Uh, yes and no. It was, it's weird because like we were competitive, but we honestly like really enjoyed playing different games, like more so games that required both of us working on it. Or at least like there are certain games that like when I was younger, I was too scared to play, especially at nighttime. Mm, Like what? What scared you? Oh, like like Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Like I could play them during the daytime, but at nighttime, like I couldn't when I was a kid. I was just like, oh my God, this is too much. Uh, and so I used to watch him play, but then like, if he got stuck, like I would be the one that's like looking up, um, video game guides to figure out how to like beat certain levels or bosses or, or anything like that. And so it just, it became something where like, we eventually, it was like a bonding moment where we played a specific game together and try to beat the game together. Um, or I just watched him play. Um, and even to this day, I, I like, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like 
the beginning habits of, of Twitch and watching streamers play. I was doing that with my brother, watching him play, you know, and it was, it was always fun. I love that. It also sounds like it became like a team sport for you, which I think I, I think people or, or I shouldn't say people, but people like me who are new to the gaming space, I think in my mind, I thought of it as like a, as an isolating experience playing video games. And more and more, I realized that it, it's a team sport. It's a community sport. It's very social. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's social in so many different ways. I mean, obviously the social component was like a couch co-op where you, you know, playing your friends next to each other and split screen and then eventually evolved to online. And <clears throat> I remember the first online experience was via Xbox Live and that was when Halo and I played Halo with friends. I played Gears. Um, and, and so that that social element has always been been there for me for gaming. Um, mm-hmm. But the only difference is I wasn't able to, especially as a young lady, I didn't really talk about it as much. Like with my brother and his friends, yes. But like with other people, it just wasn't at the point where like people, you know, it was around the time that like people looked at gaming as like a bad thing or like a super nerdy thing. And so, yeah. um, so yeah I've, oh, yeah, I've heard you discuss a little bit about being bullied for being a gamer. And do you think that was just because you were a woman in who was interested in gaming? Or do you think that's just because gaming was seen as like a nerdy thing or? Um, well, I think, well, I think what, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, when I was younger and I got picked on was just, I think it was just more so because I was someone who, um, I was just so, I was too nice to people. And I know it sounds crazy to say, yo, being too nice was a thing, but it was more so just too nice where I myself did not stand up for myself. And mm-hmm. so it was like finding little things to pick at. And, you know, that was one where it's just like, like, it, it, but, but funny enough, it wasn't something where it wasn't something where like, I, that was like the main thing that someone would pick on me for. It was just kind of there because I, in school, I was a top uh, athlete. I was a top soccer player. And so yeah. it was this weird dynamic where it's like, yeah, I was part of the quote unquote like athlete group and they were the popular kids, but I never felt like I fit in. So I had friends that I was able to play video games with and talk anime and talk different stuff with. So it's like I had to like segment my own friends to be able to discuss these things. You know, it's so interesting because as I was asking you that question, I sort of was regretting it as it was coming out of my mouth because the truth is that bullies are going to bully and it doesn't even really matter what they find. Um, but I'd rather hear about a little bit about your soccer. So you played Division One soccer in Kentucky? Uh, yes, yes. I, uh, I, well, I first, I first did it, uh, played it at Rutgers University and then I transferred to the University of Kentucky and then, that, yep, I've played and also graduated from there. That That is so badass. Um, I love that. And do you think that that competitiveness has been something that has carried you into esports? Oh yes, I'm so yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the competitiveness is never going to leave me at all. It's going to be something that just stays with me for forever. Um, and I'm very comp- but I'm I'm competitive in, in in the in the manner where it's it's a healthy competition. Like I don't. You know, not every time that I play a video game, I'm going to be super competitive. Sometimes I just want to have fun and I don't care what the results are. And then there's some times where I'm like, no, we need to win. Like, it's just, it really just depends. It also depends on what game I'm playing too. Uh, But for me, it's just like the competitiveness is just like trying to achieve a goal or an objective in the game more specifically. Mm -hmm. Or like sometimes when I'll play like, battle royales with my friends i'll i'll say to them hey you know let's get three three wins today three three top wins and like it it adds a little bit of a good competition for us to perform well but it's like at the end of the day like even if we don't like for me i don't really care in that sense because it's like i'm just happy that especially during this covid time that gaming has been a way to keep me close to my friends and to still have a sense of community and and just friendship um, even if it's via online, but I think that I, I feel like because of that and that and that that sense of camaraderie that the gaming industry gaming community has, I think that's made it a lot easier for us to like adjust during this time because we're so used to like you know starting out when we were younger making friends via online gaming and Discord and other different platforms. So um, yeah, yeah, I think this COVID time has really like 
just given itself over beautifully to people who were already set up in these gaming communities. Um, it's been amazing. Like, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm on social media just so I can be in touch with the fans from my game and they seem to just really be thriving. They already had a community in place, which I think is what you're saying. The community virtually was sort of already in place for them. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of in place. I mean, you know, I've had conversations with different people and it's just the, the, the structure of the gaming world allows for us to still have that sense of community and still have the tools where we can engage on so many different forms, right? Whether it's in a game, whether it's via Twitch stream, whether it's in our discord, like there's so many different ways that we can still stay connected to people. I mean, obviously in person, in real life, connection is always the best connection, but um, because this has been kind of part of the DNA of, of gaming, um, it's really made it a little bit easier in some ways um, for, to still stay in touch and still stay connected during a time where it's so hard. Yeah. Um, I have had so much fun watching you um, play games with like huge sports stars. I was watching you play Call of Duty with um, Trevor May from the Twins. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was so much fun. And it really just made me think about you and that competitiveness that comes from um, playing sports at such a high level. Um and finding these other people like that, my my husband, um, my husband actually is a two time Olympian, and he won a silver medal for diving. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, and it's so funny because that competitiveness, which is so appropriate for like your whole life growing up playing sports, in his case, mm -hmm. sometimes he just doesn't know where to put it. Like he and I will take a yoga class together, and I'll like ask him a question, and he'll be like, "Don't talk to me!" Like before we start, like he's got his game <laughs> face on, and I'm like. Um, you're not going to win yoga. Like, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. And I thought, I love that you have made for yourself this place where you can do this new thing that you love, but also like find these incredible competitors to just hash it out with. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is I've, I've come to like learn which friends are more like, let's have fun and which friends are, no, we need to win. And then which friends are kind of in the middle. So mm -hmm. I like I like I know like what games to play with you and then which games to avoid someone like um, and then also what games like I get so into that I just like I'm like, just don't talk to me when I'm playing. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, you know, I play Call of Duty a lot and, you know, I'm, I'm competitive in that, but not really like and it's funny because the new game Fall Guys I'm so competitive in that to the point where I'm just like, don't talk to me. Like I want to win. Like, <laughs> and it's so funny because people would think like, why aren't you like that in, in Call of Duty? I'm like, ah, because it's different. Like, and, and so it's, it's funny how like I literally have categorized my friends and categorized myself in terms of games about which game I can play with who and when and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's really smart so that, you know, you're not coming in there just like trying to kill someone who's like, I just wanted to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny because I always like, especially if I'm streaming, um, it's when I'm not streaming, I think more of my competitive side comes out because I don't really have to focus so much on the Twitch chat. But like if I'm streaming, I'm, I'm usually a little more uh, on my, like on my fun time, because for me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a competitive gamer. I'm just really just trying to have a good time and, and, and make the stream fun for everyone. And so I find that balance. And of course there's some times where I like tell Twitch, I'm like, hold on, hold on. It's getting serious. I'll, I'll dress whatever you guys have later, but let me focus in on this. And <laughs> I, I know the moments and it's funny because they know they, they can, it, it's funny because, because I've been streaming more people can tell when I'm about to be super competitive. They're just like, oh, she's getting the zone. Just let her, just let her finish. Like, <laughs> do you have a, like a face that you make? Do you have like your, like, I'm getting serious now face? Like, can you see that on yourself? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, I do have, I do have a, a face. And also typically for me, I get quiet because uh, I'm so focused. And that's been mm -hmm. even like on the soccer field where it's just like, if I'm sitting and I'm quiet and I kind of have like, I have this like very intense focused face that goes on my, on, you know, that comes up. And it's funny because like, it, sometimes it looks like I'm mad, but I'm not, I'm just really, really focused. Um, 
And yeah, it comes out when I, it definitely sometimes when I play and people will see, and that's when they're like, oh, wow, she's getting serious. <laughs> Have you ever done any of these like esports tournaments as a player? Yeah, I've done a couple. I've been, you know, there've been, um, I have, I have various friends that work for, uh, various different like call of duty league teams and some other charity initiatives. So I've been asked to do a few and I played in them, but it's like, it's cool because it's like, I'm playing with current and former pro players. So if anything, like it's such a learning experience, just like watching, like I love people watching, um, Oh, God, me too. And, it's like my favorite thing. Yeah, and that's why I love li- living in New York because you can do people watching all the time. And I really, I'm really intrigued by just people in general, how they are, how do they, how do they react? How do they focus? What do they do? How, is, how, does, how do they play games? Like, that's something that I'm always in, like, interested in. So usually when I'm doing these tournaments, I'm competitive because like, I want to win. Like, I want to win money for charity and sometimes, you know, win money for myself. But um, it's such an interesting moment when you're, you're paired up with other people that otherwise you probably wouldn't really talk to as much. And just to like learn about them, learn about their habits, learn about their gameplay. It's, it's just for me, it's so intriguing. Do you have any kind of like a pregame routine that you've carried forward from your um, soccer days or a different one? Like, do you get something to get yourself in the head? Oh, yeah. I listen to music. Um, it's interesting when I... I listen to music, but the music I listen to in terms of prepping myself for, you know, a gameplay or intense tournament time, um, when I, it, it all depends on how I feel. Like when I played soccer, if I was too anxious, I would listen to classical music. If, mm-hmm. if, if I'm tired, I would have to, I will listen to music that like the beat is, 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 uh, fast. So it gets me energized. Um, and usually when I listen to music uh, before I stream, it has to be very upbeat because and I even do that for broadcasts that I work on because I want to set like right out the gate. I don't want to warm up out right out the gate. I want to be amped. I want to be ready. So music helps me to get to that point. Yeah, I I heard you talking about how for you, ideally, like music and fashion and culture mm-hmm. all, you know, can be integrated into the into gaming. So, uh, you know, I was I was wondering if you, Aaron, had mm-hmm. the power to just shape the gaming space in a, any way that you wanted, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Ew. If I could shape the gaming space into whatever way I want. Uh, I would make it more accessible um, mm-hmm. because on, on, a, on a basic level, right, most of us or at least a good amount of us, when we do get into gaming, we start with console. But as you progress into the professional scene and in other areas, it goes into PC. And not everyone can afford good internet and not everyone can afford, you know, PCs uh, in the sense of like having to update them, buying certain equipment for them to make it the highest possible uh, setup where you can compete or just play play on a very competitive level. So I would I would make it so that the the industry is a lot more accessible uh, to mm-hmm. those in terms of playing and entering into this space. It's it's getting better, but still the main priority and focus is on PC. And you know even during this COVID time, there are kids who literally do not even have a laptop to do, to continue school. They didn't. So it's like just making that accessibility more because then it brings more talent it brings more people brings more diverse individuals and honestly like for me diversity is only going to make the industry better and also it's like you can't expect someone to know something if they don't have access to that information right and Mm -hmm. that's the the great thing about this industry is that you could be super young and 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 be successful you know even in the broadcast landscape like I, i tell people all the time to have to have people who are in their late or mid twenties or even early thirties for, for them to be on the big stage in a big broadcast that is not common in other uh, areas of, of entertainment for media, you know, yeah, you know, really true. Like traditional sports, they're typically older. Like you have to work your way up to a prime time slot and esports and gaming. That's not the case. Like if you're young and talented, you can be on a major broadcast and so it's like these little things that we don't see in other traditional avenues. Um, esports and gaming have created these unconventional ways, which create more opportunity. But at the same time, it's like 
we still have to create that accessibility point because there are still obstacles and um, challenges and, and, and uh, barriers to entry um, because of the likes of PCs and, and other, other things as well. I, I find the PC thing fascinating. I remember when our game was released on PC. Well, first of all, I didn't know anything about the difference between like the consoles and the PCs until there was like this big sort of war on Twitter about our game. Like, are they, you know, will Rockstar release for PC? And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and, and then, of course, when they did... My God, the creativity, the mods that people make, the way that they can change what the game looks like, the, 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 the pictures they can take, the way they can affect the landscape of the game. I mean, it's just like it sort of invites the entire fan base in mm -hmm. to edit the game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing just overall how gaming has progressed. And a lot of times I think we forget that the gaming industry compared to other industries is young. And so mm -hmm. just to know that the early iterations of video games came towards the late 70s, early 80s, and, you know, and even so, you know, the 90s and 2000s have been very prominent eras for gaming as well. And it's so it's interesting just to see how much we progressed since then. And how, like, even, like, the graphics, like, I was looking at, like, the realism, the graphics today versus, like, when the play first PlayStation came out and stuff. And I'm like, yo, even this is such a progress. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really cool. And even, like, progress in terms of diversity, in terms of character, uh, more, more extensive customization in video games. Uh, so people can create characters that look more like them. Uh, even more immersive storyline and gameplay. Like it's, it's a, a bigger and big and it's getting bigger in terms of open world concepts. Like it's just, it's just amazing just to see how things have progressed since the early times. Yeah. Okay. So you're a gamer, you're an athlete, but now you're also, you're a host and you're a broadcaster, you're a streamer. Um, have any of these skills surprised you? Um, surprised me in like what way? Did you know you were capable of so much? Did you always want to wear all these hats or have some of these things like, like for me, I never knew I would want to host a podcast. It turns out I love it. Like I never pictured yeah. it for myself, but I've had so much fun with it. And, um, and it surprised me. And I'm wondering if anything about what you do has surprised you like that. Uh, I think, I don't know. I've always, I've always been like a woman who, I've always been someone who just wore multiple hats and part mm -hmm. of it is because of the work that I do and it required for wearing multiple hats, you know, especially when you start off in media, you know, you're going to be in positions where you're going to have to figure things out. Like if things, you know, if some reporting is needed or information is needed or anything, like, guess what? You're going to, you're going to have to learn how to research. You're going to have to learn how to look up court cases. You're going to have to. So it's like, I've I, honestly, I've never had a job where I did just one thing. Wait, I have to back up court cases. What job were you doing that involved court cases? Uh, so I, I, I interned at a local newspaper um, in, in Lexington, Kentucky. And um, there were, interestingly enough, during the time that I interned, there was like a homicide case that happened. So I had to actually go and sit in, in the court. And I also had to look up some, uh, uh, some cases and information. And then um, I also had to cover, you know, uh, a story about suicide in Kentucky. So like during the beginning of my journalism experience, it was a, some very heavy and like very, very uh, interesting um, stories that I've had to tell. So it's, it's, so it's good from basically from a foundation that I have the ability to report on like really serious stories and, 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 and matters. And then obviously be able to, to do more of a looser format when it comes to gaming. I'm so glad I asked you about that because I didn't realize that you'd come to broadcasting so authentically. I, I guess I assumed that through your gaming proficiency, you were thrown into broadcasting. But I love this because I always tell young people, I'm showing my age, but I always tell people, pursue every avenue that you love because eventually it will inform every aspect of what you do. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to draw from it and pull from it just like you are. Yeah. And 
every situation, and I've always been someone where every job and every situation that I went into, it was, it's always, there's something that I can take away from it. There's something that I can learn, even for the jobs that I hated, I still took something away from it and learned from it. And so, and a lot of times, you know, cause even some people they're like, well, how do I get a job in this space? And do I ha- like, how do I get a job when I don't have the direct experience for that specific job? And I always tell people like, you can learn certain skill sets that apply to that job by doing other work. You don't necessarily like, if you're trying to be a broadcaster, like don't wait for a broadcasting gig in order for you to start, like you could do stuff on YouTube. You could do casting on the amateur and, and high school level. You, you could literally, uh, you know, uh, if you want to work in broadcasting, you want to be a broadcaster, then maybe find a position that teaches you behind the scenes stuff. Because if you're on camera, I'm telling you, the more that you know about what goes on behind the scenes, it makes you a better broadcaster. Like I, feel like as a as a front camera talent I'm I feel like I'm better you know now than maybe if I didn't do behind the scenes broadcast work because now I know like the technical things I know the equipment I know you know if 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 something goes down if a specific technology goes down how long it may take to get the like to get it back up and how much filler I have to do um you know even with producer experience knowing like how to, how to quote unquote, create moments or how, you know, I, I just, there's, there's things that I've learned outside of talent and broadcast work that have made me a better broadcaster and talent. And so I always try to tell people that like, just because you don't have a gig, like doesn't mean that you can't learn the important skill sets that can apply to any, any job you do. It's such good advice. It is such good advice. And it's, you know, I think that, I think some for some people it's counterintuitive. It's like, well, if I if I want to be an actor, I shouldn't work as a PA cuz then I'll get stuck on the wrong side of it. But the truth is that it all in I mean, look, everything we do is collaborative, right? Mm-hmm. Like and you know that from being the, you know, the talent that the camera is pointed at. You know that you can't do that by yourself. It's all a collaboration. So it's just such good advice that you're giving to be proficient in different areas. Or if you're not proficient, just learn about it and learn the grunt work and learn h- how much hard work goes into making you look great on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just certain, you know, there's just certain skill sets that they're, you know, they're very, they're very much intangibles that you will learn over time. That could be so like, for example, one of the most important skill sets I always tell people when it comes to broadcasting is to be a great on camera talent and to be a great interviewer, you have to be a really good listener. So even just learn how to listen to people, learn to what learn, learn how to listen to them, hear what they say and figure out where you're going to take the interview. And then also, you know, where's a great opportunity as a segue point that they said that will make a smooth transition into the next question, you know, or listen to what they say. And if they, if they skipped a couple questions on your list and this is better content, then you make the judgment. But in order for you to be really good at that, you have to be a good listener. And that's not something that you can be like, oh, let me just take this job to become a great listener. It's like, no, you you had to actively work on that. And you can work on that in any job in any place. You can work on that just having a conversation with your mother. Yeah, 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 that, that too, that too. <laughs> right, because sometimes in life, right, we're just like, we think we're listening, but we're just waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can ram through whatever we have next. But you're so right. I mean, first of all, that's also how to be an actor. great acting is great listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly being a good listener can apply to like any job. Honestly, a good listener and a good communicator can get you far in, in a lot of professions. Mm -hmm. I, I actually interviewed someone just last week. She was talking about how going to comic cons has made her a better actor because it has made her a better listener because I'm sure you've encountered this, but when fans come up and especially if they've waited to meet you, Mm -hmm. whether it's like backstage or at a convention, you're not just gonna make, oh, here's the autograph, you know, thing. You want to hear what they have to say to you because they may have spent money. They certainly have given their time and, and respect and attention. And so you, for me and for, you know, as she was saying for her, 
you owe them, I think, the opportunity to say what they want to say and to hear it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I always take the time to to talk to my supporters. Um, like, you know, even on social media, a lot of, you know, sometimes people are surprised. It's like, oh, wow, this she's talking to me. I'm like, yeah, like you take the time to engage with my content. You take the time to watch my shows. You take the time to support me. The least that I can do is give you that same respect back. Um, and to me, that's so important. You know, it's so important because like you said, they give good feedback. If if you're doing a broadcast and, and the sound is off, you know, they'll be the first ones to message you um, uh, directly and be like, hey, your audio is a little bit off. You may want to fix it. It's like they, they go over and beyond. and yeah, I agree. Like the more, the more constructive feedback, the better it is because then you make the content better for them and then they support and, and love you more for it. And then it just makes you better ultimately because you're, you're showing that you want to put the best work forward, not just for yourself, but for the community and the fans. When COVID started, I, um, my daughter, who's 14, we decided to really try to play through Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so bad. Oh, my gosh. I know. I say this every interview because people ask me. You didn't ask. But the truth is I just am terrible with controller and I get murdered all the time. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, but. I start, I would ask the fans, like, if something would happen and my daughter can't find her horse and it's not where it's supposed to be and do we have to, like, restart the game? And the fans just jump in with, like, love and advice and asking the next day, where's your daughter's horse? And it was so moving for me. And just like you talked about earlier, especially being in COVID, I thought, this community is already here for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're alone in our apartment, but I'm asking one question and people are falling over themselves to make me have a better experience. And they do that for each other, too. It's not just because I'm in the game. I, I witness how kind they are to each other. Yeah, yeah. There's there's, there's definitely kind moments and, and kind people in the gaming community. I know often the news um, or what's highlighted or viral on social media is, is a lot of the negativity, but there's so much kindness and care and camaraderie and sense of community um, that's very much in the gaming world that, you know, I, I, if you really take the time to just check it out, like you'll, you'll see it in so many different ways. You know, I actually, I follow you on social media now and um, I really enjoy your content. Thank you. um, It's really, it's really good. (laughs) It's really helpful. And uh, I, I saw a message uh, a, a video that you put out to your followers the other day, or I don't know when you put it out, but I saw it the other day, um, talking about knowing your worth. I think this was actually another interview you did, and you were talking about knowing your worth. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations that I had um, uh, early on in this podcast was that knowing how to recognize what you're good at and make a decision to monetize it mm-hmm can be hard for women. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it seems to be more specifically antithetical to the, how women want to work, but I've worked really hard on that in myself. And I'm wondering if if that's something that you have always sort of been able to stand on your own two feet and know your worth and ask for what you deserve, or if it's something that you've had to learn. Uh, it's something that I've had to learn. I think that, you know, it's definitely something like you said about, you know, women and asking for what we've earned. Right. And I had to be okay with that because, you know, we, we deal with such double standards and I mean, you know, everyone deals with double standards, but we also definitely deal with double standards in the sense of like, if we're too emotional, right. Or, 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 or like if we're, if we're too passionate, we're emotional or like uh, if we w- try to push for what we, you know, have earned, you know, oh, we're, we're complicated. We're combative. We're complaining, you know, if we are high maintenance. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, like one of the things I had to learn essentially was like. There are going to I mean, you, you can't one, you can't be. And, 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 I, and I say this in, in this manner, you can't be nice all the time. Like you, there are going to be moments where, and, and not to say that you'll be mean, but like you, you can't just focus so much on get like standing and standing firm for what you believe in and what you know is right. 
And then also, you know, making sure that the person still views you as like a nice person. It's like, no, like I'm going to stand firm for what it is. And if that rubs you the wrong way, we'll have an adult conversation. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to stand for what I've put my uh, sweat and tears into. And I, and I had to learn that like, it's okay. You know, if, if, even if people call you that word, it's, it's, so it's fine because not everyone's going to like you. Even if you are the nicest person 24 seven, someone is still going to find a reason not to like you. And so I've just gotten to the point where I am like, not afraid of just asking for these things. And, and, and anytime I ask, or I put my foot down, it's, it's, these are reasonable things. And so, you know, I've gotten to the point where I have to be okay with that. And if I'm also speaking up when things don't make sense for work or speaking up for like, if there's a problem and it's like, you know, something that keeps happening, happening over and over again, I'm going to keep saying something until it gets fixed. Like, and that's just how I am. And so I just got to the point where I've realized that there are going to be times where people may not like the fact that I'm standing firm. And and at the end of the day, that's okay. As long as I'm being respectful and doing the right way, you know, if, if, if they feel a certain way after, because, you know, I'm asking for, for what I've put my work into and earned, like, then that's, that's not a me problem. And I've learned over time that there are things that happen that are less about you. And it's more so the projection of the other person. So I've gotten to that point where, I'm really mm-hmm. firm in not being afraid to ask for what I put in. Or if someone like, for example, uh, tries to give me a lower price um, compared to like, I've, I've had instances where I knew, I knew what the other person got and I, and the, the, the company was trying to lowball me. And typically mm-hmm. like, it was like a situation and, and not, I'm not saying for all situations, but for this specific situation, it was a guy and he got, he was getting more. And I was like, no, like, then we're not doing that. And so they would lower it and I would be like, and, you know, even to this day, I tell them I have a specific price. I will not go lower than that price. Now, if you're my friend, we'll talk, right? Because I'm always trying to help my friends out. And it's not about money when it comes to my friend. But when it comes to business, like, no, I'm not doing anything lower than that. And I think also part of it is um, not being afraid to walk away from an opportunity if they don't see the value in you. You know, mm-hmm. and, and yes, and understanding that there will be other opportunities, especially when you're young and stuff. You're like, oh, it's this is my only chance. No, <laughs> that's never the case. Like you, you can have a chance, and if and if you're really good, the fact that you got that opportunity, you can get other opportunities. And it's just like we can't make mistakes because we are so like, oh, we we so passionate about just achieving our goals and dreams that we do not take care of ourselves and do what is right for us. And so that's something I learned really young and have been really firm in it. And, and I try to, I try to use my personal experiences to help others because these were mistakes that I made. And some of those mistakes were just, you know, not the greatest. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just don't want, even though it's important for people to learn from their mistakes, I, I want to give them a chance of learning without doing the actual mistake. So I always try to talk about those things in a way where, it's very much from my own personal experience, but I, I try to put it in a way where it's constructive and that people can learn and understand like, hey, I'm not just saying this to say it. like I've gone through this and I just want you guys to be better and to do better and to, and to really know your worth because that's the most your, your worth and your character are the most important things that you have to identify and stand firm in because other people may try to ruin your reputation or low bully. And I'm I'm not saying everyone, but they're they're working in entertainment. There are not so good people. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be firm in your character and you have to be firm in knowing what your worth is. And it, it just makes the process so much easier navigating this space. I just I think that your willingness to talk about those mistakes and how you learn from them is really doing service because, you know, if if we if we in the public eye try to present ourselves in a way that makes it look like we never fucked up, we never made these kinds mm-hmm. of mistakes, we're not really helping people <laughs> who are coming up because then when they make a mistake, they say, "Oh, it's over for me." Mm-hmm. So I just I just want to take a moment to say that I I feel that from you. I think that is such a beautiful thing that you do. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear you talk about it and the way you talk about it. Thank you. Yeah. I think that, 
Transparency, you know, is important. I mean, obviously that, you know, I know the difference between what I can talk about, and what I can't talk about, but I'm not going to withhold information. Like I, I never like that when there are individuals and whatever, whether they're streamers or YouTubers or broadcast, whatever, right? I never understood why they would withhold information. And this is something that I've seen in entertainment industry. And, you know, esports is part, it's, is entertainment. And it's just like, there's no need for that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that like, if you are great at what you do and if you have a lane for yourself, um, giving out free information is not going to take a gig away from you. If anything, it's going to just be something that's really good for you. Like, you know, I'm, I'm someone where like, I, I always try to help people when I can. And, and I do it out of the kindness of my heart. I don't do, do it to expect anything in return. But it's just amazing how like I, I would do that. And then, you know, when I, during COVID, I actually lost the job. And then instantly, so many people wanted to help me. And, and it wasn't because like I expected it. It was just it, the kindness resonates with people. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, that's why I'm a firm believer in just like being kind and, and, not, and being okay with helping people and giving um, answers to stuff out there. Like there's no need to be secretive, right? There's no... You know, no. I, not at all. You know, we, we all can There's grow together. There's enough for all of us. Yes. Yes. If I lift you up, that lifts me up. It, it's it's like just just knowing that nobody can take your spot because because you're the only one that can inhabit your spot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that's how I've always been. That's why I, I just, you know, I give information. Like I even shared like my my own reel. I'm like, guys, this is my first reel, right? And of course, I'm gonna have to update it later. But like, even showing I watched them that. it. It's so good. It's <laughs> Thank so you. So good. I saw you with Snoop Dogg, and I just about died. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was such an amazing moment too. <laughs> oh, I love, I love him. I'm such a fan. Um, okay, so just to like toot your horn here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so Forbes just called you, Aaron, the future of esports storytelling, mm. which just it took my breath away, and I'm sure it took your breath away. And I'm wondering what that means to you, and what stories you most want to tell. I mean, for it's funny because, like, for me, I'm I'm someone who I just I just enjoy telling stories. Like, I enjoy highlighting stories, highlighting different perspectives, giving a voice and platform to others. That's, that's just how I've always been. And to be honest, I didn't expect myself to be in the position that I am right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do this because I enjoy it and I love it, but to, to be on, to be on a path of, of being, you know, known as one of the established broadcasters in this space and like a go-to broadcaster, I think for me, it's just, it's just a testament to my work, you know, and it's, and it's awesome to be able to see these milestones, but then also I'm just like, okay, what's next? Like, mm-hmm, I'm so right? competitive where like I spend a day to enjoy those moments and then I'm like, all right, what do I need to do next? <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, it's, it's always been kind of like that for my career. And I think for me, like, for me, the most important thing is leaving a lasting impact and leaving a legacy that helped to change people's lives or help to impact someone. Because at the end of the day, if my, if I get one person who comes up to me, and especially if 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 they're if they're a person of color or they're Latin or they're black, like you know, or Latin and black like myself, mm-hmm. um, even if one person said, "Hey, I saw you on this broadcast," and you know, it, it, it encouraged me to pursue this a career in this space because I saw someone like myself and I'm, I'm so thankful that you speak up for this and that. And like, for me, that matters the most because part of my responsibility as a storyteller is to highlight people's voices and not everyone's voice is heard. And so I really try to do what I can to 
provide those voices and provide those perspectives because that's one, it's part of my job. And two, it's something that I want to do. And three, it only will help our industry more because now we have so many non-endemic individuals that are coming into the scene that don't quite understand it. So the best way that we can do it is by providing these stories that they understand. Humanizing stories are stories that everyone can relate to. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're a big gamer or not, these humanizing, humanizing perspectives and stories we all connect with. And so I really try to implement that. Obviously, you know, I talk about video games and competitive scenes and stuff like that, but um, having, you know, having these stories that show like what, you know, whether you're an intense gamer or not, we're all the same. We all have certain needs. We all want to be heard. We all want to be appreciated and respected and all these different things. So, or maybe there's people's stories that surprises people, you know, I think that's, that's what really, drives me and what I do. And so if there's any accolades that come for it, great. But if I can, if what I do can change someone's life, I think that's like the biggest accomplishment that you can ever get. Yeah. Yeah. Which sort of leads me to what is like our, our signature question on this show, which is Mm -hmm. that since everything we've been talking about just highlights how collaboration is at the essence of what we do and how important it is passing it on. Yeah, uh, I would love, Aaron, to give you an opportunity to tell me mm-hmm. about someone in your life or in your career um, who, who recognized something special in you and gave you an opportunity to shine. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's been like various different people who have done that. And honestly, people in the gaming and in the esports industry, I think have been more, more and more like they, they see the potential in me and they saw it a lot earlier than most people. You know, I had someone like my friend, Amanda Stevens, who helped me, Brandon Brathwaite, um, who was a producer for Cheddar Esports, um, you know, uh, even doing work with like evil geniuses, you know, N- Nicole and I have n- connected prior about doing a podcast for them, Cloud Nine, you know, it's just like, and then the Cloud Nine podcast came from just my interactions with, with someone um, from the company. And just like, you know, I think that there's just so many people in this space who have really given me an opportunity. I mean, look, even getting signed by CAA, I wasn't a a big known person. I didn't have massive social media numbers, but they saw the potential in me and they're like, she, she has it. We want to work with her. And cause like, if you look at like, you look at the other like CAA roster, like these are people who have like hundreds and thousands of followers and millions of followers. And like, I have none of that, but I do have things that I know that others don't. And, and, and I'm not saying that in an egotistical way, but we all have our own individual strengths and yeah. they noticed that they took a chance and, you know, and it's, it's been amazing working with CAA. And so it's just like, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just been like perfect timing and me putting in the work. And now it's just like reaping, reaping the, the rewards from all that hard work. Cause people don't know I've been in this and I've been in media for 10 years. I started when I was about 10 years. I started when I was 16, 17 years old and I've been working at it for a long time. I had no idea you've been doing it that long. Yes, I've been I started in traditional sports and I worked with I had mentors that worked in media so I did work for them and then I did work for the newspaper like I've been at it since I was about 16 17 years old and I'm just now at 28 starting to reap some of these amazing rewards. Well, in my, I mean, yes, some, I don't know who it was. Some famous person said it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. So uh, (laughs) uh, I can feel that this is all just starting for you. I can't wait to see what is next. Um, And I'm about to do something that you would uh, not approve of as you're giving excellent advice about how to conduct an interview. But I do have one question on my list that (laughs) we didn't roll into naturally. So I'm shoving it in, which is, um, okay. You have a free afternoon. Okay. All to yourself. Okay. There is nothing on your schedule. I'm sure you can't imagine that right now, but let's pretend. <laughs> <laughs> what game do you play? Oh, free time on what game will I play? Huh. Okay. What? So I got to figure out what mood. What mood am I in? I'm probably relaxed and chill. Mm-hmm. Probably just want to be calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would play. Oh, that's a good question. Cause I'm very, hmm. I think I would 
probably, uh, you know what? I would play something very chill and light, like probably the new, the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one, two, um, the collection oh, because yes, it, it's, it's fun and it's a little bit competitive, but like, it's not where I, I could chill and play it. Like there's certain games I could chill and play. That's definitely one of those. And it's been a, it's been a game where a Tony Hawk pro skater, uh, series is something that I've, I've played when I, even before, and it's just a very chill experience. So probably that one for recent, cause a lot of the other games I play are, are kind of competitive. <laughs> so I just want to chill. So I'll play that. <laughs> and snacks while you game or no snacks. Oh, snacks. Okay. I'm, it's funny that I'm going to say this snack before any others, uh, fruit. I love fruit. I'm such oh my like, God, me too. my mom calls me a fruit fly. Uh-huh. That's like <laughs> my nickname. I love, I, like I'll choose fruit sometimes over like candy or anything like that. Like, but I do love me some ice cream and cake. And, uh, if there's any opportunity to eat ice cream too, I definitely will eat it during that time as well. But I usually try to resort to fruit cause you know, try to be healthy. I feel like you and I would have a really fun time hanging out. So I'm yes! just putting that out there. When the world when the world gets back, maybe we can can uh, have some fruit and some ice cream together. Uh, yes, like a strawberry sundae. I am all for that. Oh, that sounds good. I kind of want ice cream and fruit now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> thank you so much for making time for this today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And you know, it's always. Uh, so it's, inter- it's always interesting for me to be on the other end of interviews. <laughs> so uh, I always enjoy it. Yeah, I know. It's been really fun to talk to you. You are a fabulous guest. Thank you. <laughs> All right, darling. Bye. bye. You guys, Erin is such an inspiration to so many young people in gaming. And after talking with her today, I totally get why. To see Aaron's content, streams, and broadcasts, be sure to check out the show notes for Aaron's social, Twitch, and YouTube links. Aaron is currently partnering with Community on the Amplify streaming series, a new charity focused on raising money to support the new HBCU Esports League. If you'd like to learn more or contribute to the fundraiser, check out the episode description and show notes on the Gamers website. And now, a message from the Gamers. Okay, everyone, it is time to recognize women in all aspects of gaming for their dedication to creating content, building communities, and empowering each other. The Gamers Awards honors exceptional women in gaming in 17 different categories, nominated by you, the gamers community. So it is your time to make your voice heard and vote for who you think should win each Gamers Award. Anyone can participate, so head to thegamers.com That's T-H-E-G-A-M-E-H-E-R-S dot com and click on awards to cast your vote. And be sure to tune in on November 19th to watch the award show live on the Gamers Twitch channel. You know I'll be watching and I cannot wait to see who wins. See you there. Thanks for listening. Let's Play was brought to you by The Gamers, a community that connects all types of women gamers and welcomes every human who supports this. Let's Play was produced by Kylie Vernoff and co-produced by the Gamers team. Laura Deutsch, Rebecca Dixon, Verda Maloney, Heather Awita, and Alexis Wilcock, with sound design done by Frank Verderosa. Please visit thegamers.com for show notes to access exclusive bonus material and to learn more about the Gamers community. And we'd so appreciate if you subscribed and gave us a five-star review. Thanks again for listening.